I am happy and honored to have been invited again to give a, a shear to you Atlantonians. Brings back uh, fond memories as one of the first shiurim that I was able to give 37 years ago when I came to Israel was to a group of Atlantonians who had moved to Israel and I gave them a shear once a week in Yerushalayim. The subject of the shear is the second bracha of Shmona Esrei, known as Birchas Hagvuros, the bracha of strength, or alternately Birchas Tchias Hamesim, as the bracha ends, Mechaye Hamesim, the bracha of the resurrection of the dead. Before I actually explain the bracha, I would like to give a preface, an overview of the first three brachas of Shemona Esrei, and then we'll understand how this second bracha fits in to those first three. The first three brachos are birchas hashevach. We're not asking God for anything, but we are praising Him. Now, obviously, God doesn't need our praise. It surely is not an idea to butter Him up before we ask Him for all the things we ask. Now, the idea is before we can ask for anything, we have to know in what context we're asking. Before we can connect and communicate with the Rebbe we have to know who we're communicating with and what we should ask for. So we speak of the Rebbe praises and specifically what his plan is, what his purpose and creation was in order that in that context we can make the various um, uh, bakoshos, entreaties, and ask for what we have to ask for in the context of knowing what we should be asking for. The first three brachos correspond to the avos. The first one to Avram Avinu, and that's why it ends Mogin Avram. The second one to Yitzchak Avinu, and the third to Yaakov Avinu. Now let me explain to you in great detail uh, how that pans out. The rabbis tell us that even though we cannot fathom God's will, what we understand about God's intention in creation was that since the Rabbana Shalom is the ultimate good, he wanted to shower his goodness on a creation that could receive that goodness, and that goodness is an eternal, intimate relationship with him which is to have that ultimate pleasure of having a close, intimate relationship with Hashem, which is what we call Olam Haba, the world to come. And it was from that midah of chesed, of total giving, that Hashem created the entire universe, and more specifically, our souls, so He could create a relationship with them and give them that ultimate pleasure. However, Hashem knew that that pleasure would not be the ultimate pleasure unless it was earned. For what someone gets for free, he's embarrassed. Uh, it's called Nahama Sufa, it's bread that you're given for free, you're embarrassed to eat. But if you earn it, you have a certain pride in what you earned. In addition, in order to have that close, intimate relationship with Hashem, we have to be God-like. 
And if we were given that ability, uh, we would not be like God. God is given nothing. God receives nothing. So therefore, when we earn that uh, reward and earn that closeness, we're more similar to God in the fact that we are the source of our, of our pleasure and not coming from the outside. And therefore, following God's outpouring of chesed, he then created this physical world, and that's a world of din. Din means judgment, justice, but it also means a world of confinement, a world of boundaries and limitations, and you get what you deserve. You get what you earn. Everything is according to justice. You earn what you deserve, and you deserve what you earn. And therefore, this physical world is a world of limitation, a world of boundaries, a world of, uh, of challenges. And it's by facing those challenges and living within those boundaries that we're able to earn that eternal reward of that connection to God in the world to come. And therefore, Bereshis bara Elohim, this world was created by Elohim, who is the Midah of Din, the attribute of justice of the Rabbana Shalom, but more specifically, God in nature, God who constricts himself, Kibiyachal, as if to say, within the constrictions and boundaries of the physical world, and therefore the name Elohim is the same numerical value, 86, as Hateva, as nature. Now the first bracha of Shmona Esrei, which corresponded to Avram Avinu, corresponded to his Midah of Chesed. And we mentioned Chesed twice in that bracha, Gomel Chasadim Tovim, Zocher Chaste Avos, Avram Avinu, represented the Midah of Hashem of Chesed, total giving, with no limitation, no constriction, no constraints. But the second bracha relates to Yitzchak and his Midah of Givura. Givura is strength. The greatest strength is for one to constrain himself, constrict himself, hold himself back, live within the boundaries and limitations of nature, and in that way earn his, the chesed that God wanted to give and earn it and create it, create his world to come by living in this world in the proper way within the limitations and boundaries and constrictions of this world. And the following bracha, the third bracha, represents the synthesis of this total giving without any limitation and boundary and the total boundaries and limitations of Givura is emes, is the real truth. And that corresponds to Torah. And that corresponds to Rachamim, which is Yaakov Avinu's Midah, the Midah of Torah and Kedusha. Hence the third bracha is Birchas HaKedusha. The idea being that in order to receive that ultimate um, boundless chesed and kindness and eternal kindness of having that 
eternal relationship with Hashem. One must constrict himself and constrain himself within the constraints and limitations and challenges of this world. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu offers rachamim, he offers mercy. Mercy does not take away the din, but it's not the total unlimited chesed either. It's a synthesis between them. And therefore the Torah guides us how to live within the constraints of this world properly. And um, therefore the Torah is called Rachmona. Torah is a symbol of mercy, of Rachmonas. And that is Kedusha. Kedusha is to synthesize the limited, constrained, bounded physical world and elevate it to be the spiritual world of the world to come. That synthesis between Givura and Chesed is what we call MS, Kedusha, holiness, and ultimately through Rachamim, through mercy and the help that we get, the Torah is the help to be able to navigate the constraints and limitations of this world. As Chazal said, Barasi Yetzirhara, Barasi Torah Tavlin. I created the Yetzirhara to give you free choice, to give you the ability to face the challenges of this world. But I created the Torah as an aid to be able to navigate it properly. So the first three brachas reveal to us the plan of creation the initial chesed, and then the gvura, and then the kedusha. This second bracha, which I am to speak to you about, is the bracha of gvura, that represents that middle state where we see God in nature, and therefore this bracha represents the greatest constriction and the greatest boundary and limitation of this world is death. But God transcends that death and resurrects the dead ultimately. But the process that leads through a person in this world until the ultimate limitation is all for one purpose in order to enable the person through the constrictions, constraints, limitations, and boundaries of this world to achieve and to earn his eternal, infinite Olam Haba. The rabbis tell us that each of these brachas was said in history by the angels. And the Anshik Nessus Hagdola that included prophets were able to discern those blessings and put them into our Shmona Esrei. This blessing was said by the angels when Yitzchak Avinu was bound on the altar, ready to be slaughtered as a sacrifice. And when the knife came close to his throat, his soul fled him, and he actually died. And God resurrected him. And at that moment, the angels declared, Baruch Hashem, So this bracha was said by the angels when the greatest limitation and boundary of this world, which is death, occurred and was resurrected by the Rabboni Shalom as a hint to the future resurrection of the dead. The bracha has 49 words, if you don't count the words mashiv haruach, because they're extraneous, you don't really need them, 
if you just said Morid Hatal or Morid Hagashem, you're Yotze. It's 49. And the idea of 49, I think, corresponds to the 49 gates of wisdom. The Ramban explains that each gate is another uh, kind of creation. There are 49 uh, different um, subsets of creation and uh, different kinds of creations. And that's what this world is all about, the 49 different sets of creation, different kinds of creations. Also, 49 is the square of seven, seven times seven. Seven represents the perfection of this world, which was created in seven days. And seven times seven is the ultimate perfection of what this world, this world of boundaries and limitations is. Now let us see how these ideas are put forth in the bracha itself. The bracha starts, Ato gibor la'olam Hashem. Simple translation is, you are mighty God forever. But it can be mean something else too. You, God, are mighty le'olam in this world. In this world we see your might. Because the greatest might is to be constricted and constrained and hold oneself back. And the Rebbe Kibiyacho, who is infinite, was able to put himself, Kibiyachal, into a finite world and function through a finite world. That is the ultimate givura, and that's why the word olam means hidden, because God hides himself. He hides his infinite quality in this finite world. And therefore, we refer to God as Aleph Talid Nun Yud. It's not God of Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke is God, Hoya the God before creation who brought everything into being, the infinite God. But this is God as Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, Adon Hakol. He's the master of everything created. He's within creation. And I think the word Aleph Dalid Nun Yud also hints to the following. The Aleph represents God at the beginning of creation when he was one and nothing else. And the Yud represents God at the end of time when everything will unite under God. That's number 10. 10 is the unity of many things. Until 10, every integer is separate. 10 makes one unit of 10s in a decimal system. It's one 10 and zero ones. In Hebrew, asara is one unit. After that, we don't have new numbers, but we add on to the 10. Achadisre, one plus 10, two plus 10, and so on. So God started with being one, nothing else. And ultimately, everything will coalesce and unite under the Rabbanu Shalom in 10. But between those two times, those Dalad Nun Din, that's where we see God's justice and judgment and a world where there is boundaries and limitations. And therefore, God, we say, You are the God who transcends the greatest limitations of this world, which is death, and you resurrect the dead. And in order to do that, Rav Lahoshia, you save a person along the way in many, many ways. 
Another possible Rav Lahoshia. Rav could not mean many, but like we say, a Rav, a teacher. You teach us throughout our lives how to be saved and how to transcend the limitations of this world, even death, and earn our eternal reward after the resurrection of the dead. After this, in the rainy season, we say, Mashiv Haruach Umorit Hagoshim. We mention Gvuros Gishomim, the strength of rain, because rain represents this idea of life. All life on this planet depends on water. In fact, when they look for life on other planets, the first thing they look for is their water there. Because water is the foundation of life. And the Rabbanism provides that foundation of life and it also hints to the idea of the resurrection of the dead. Because you put a seed in the ground and it decomposes and then new life comes from it. That is what life in this world is. A world where ultimately things die, decompose, but there's a resurrection of the dead too. So this fits the motif of this bracha perfectly. This idea of the rain cycle in the midst of the bracha of Givura. And then we say the following. Mechalkel chayim bechesed. God gives life no strings attached. Mechalkel chayim bechesed. It's a total kindness of God to give life. A little baby comes into this world didn't earn his being here. Right? God gives out life, bechesed. And the idea of mechalkel means he gives you everything you need on credit. Rabbi Avigdor Miller, Zatzal, points out that God doesn't only give the necessities of life, but he gives the extra perks. It's not just that a person's given the ability to eat so he can survive. But his food has taste, has a nice aroma, has a nice color. The Rebunda Shalom is mechal kale, call, call, everything. Not only the necessities, but even the niceties of life are given bechesed. They're given with total kindness. Another idea of mechal kale, chayim bechesed, that God gives out life bechesed in order that we should do kindness for others and we should emulate him, and we should become like him in order that we can create that eternal bond with him because like things bond together. But even though God gives life bechesed with total kindness, but when it comes to resurrecting the dead, that's not with total kindness. That you have to earn. But he has mercy, he helps you earn it but you have to do it on your own to a certain degree. So he's mechayi mesim, but barachamim rabim, with great mercy, but it's not total kindness. You have to do your part, and you have to earn it by doing what is proper, by constraining, constricting, limiting yourself within the boundaries of this world properly. And then we explain what are these great mercies that God does to help us navigate and face the challenges of this world. He's a somech noflin. When people are ready to fall, 
They haven't fallen yet. He supports them. And Rofei Cholim, and when they've fallen and they've gotten wounded or hurt or sick, he heals them. And even more than that, when they're tied up and can't do anything for themselves, he's a matir asurim. He opens their bonds and frees them. And this is not only for physical things, it's for spiritual things too. Sometimes a poor person falls into sin or is ready to fall into sin. And God helps him and supports him. And sometimes after sinning, a person is spiritually sick and God heals him. And sometimes a person is so bound by the sin that he can't get out of the bonds of the sin. And God helps to free him and enable him to do tshuva and to repent. And ultimately, the Rabbana Shalom is faithful to free someone from the ultimate bonds of this world and constriction of death. And he will resurrect the dead to those who sleep in the earth. For the righteous are not really dead. A person who's righteous lives eternally, but he sleeps in the ground temporarily until his body and his soul can be reunited after the resurrection of the dead. And then we exclaim, Micha Mocha Baal Givuros, who is like you? Exactly. Kemo means exactly like, exactly like something. No one is exactly like you. Even people who have tremendous strength, but they're not Baal Givuros. They're not the master of their strength. They were given that strength. They're not in total control of that strength like you are. You are the master of Givura. You're the master of strength. So no one is exactly like you. Umi domeloch. No one is even similar to you insofar that your melech memis umechaya, that you can bring death and make one alive from death. No one can do that in that respect. No one is not just not exactly like you. They're not even similar to you. But the whole purpose of this process is umatzmiach Yeshua through all of these gevuros and these challenges and these these uh, limitations and constrictions and constraints. You rebonisom umatzmiach Yeshua, you plant the seeds of resurrection and salvation, and that's the entire purpose of this physical world, to set the stage for earning our world to come and earning our eternal reward of our having that eternal connection to the Rabboni Shalom. And then we say, God, we have faith in you because you're faithful and we know that you will bring this process to fruition and eventually resurrect the dead. And we end with the bracha, Baruch HaToh Hashem, as the angels said it, when they saw how God brought this to fruition, when Yitzchak died at the Akedah, constrained and constricted on the altar, and the Rabbanu Shalom resurrected him. Now saying this bracha, and recognizing what it represents, how one has to live 
within the boundaries and limitations and constraints and constrictions of this physical world properly. And um, the Torah is what navigates and tells us how to live within this world. And the fact that God created a world with boundaries and constraints and constrictions, a physical world, should make it easier for us to understand the importance of keeping the Torah. And I'll tell you uh, a story, a true story, of how uh, uh, this uh, impacted on me from something that happened in my life about 35, 36 years ago. When I came to Eretz Yisrael, I had the ability to do something I never had in Chutzlaretz. I had the ability to buy a new car, not a used car, a uh, junker that was... Uh, uh, yeshiva Shakar, but I had the ability to buy a new car here because as a new Oleh, I didn't have to pay taxes on the car, which is a good portion of the expense of a car. And they had a car that was assembled in Israel at the time, a Ford Transit. And the whole car cost $8,000. So uh, I ordered this car, and in those days you could not buy a car um, on credit. You had to pay cash on the spot to get the car. And in those days, it was the old Israel shekel which existed, not the new Israel shekel. And the exchange rate between the old Israel shekel and the new Israel shekel, and the old Israel shekel and the dollar was a thousand shekel to a dollar. And the largest bill they had was a hundred shekel bill. So I cashed in $8,000, got 8 million shekel in 100 shekel bills. I had a uh, briefcase full of 100 shekel bills. I felt like a drug dealer walking through the streets. And I went to Tel Aviv to pick up my car. I put my briefcase on the table. He opens it up, starts counting the bills. Finally, when he sees that I have 8 million shekel, he gives me the keys to the car and tells me it's in the following space outside. Mazel tov, go get your car. As I'm leaving the dealership, he calls me back and he says, wait a second, I forgot something. Come back. Now, anything would not have surprised me because when I ordered the car, they asked me, do you want the standard car or do you want extras? So I had never bought a new car before. I imagine extras was a stereo power windows. So I said, I'm not familiar with what the extras could be. Could you give me an example of what extras I could get? He said, yeah, do you want windows? I said, what do you mean do I want windows? He said, well, the car comes with a windshield and a back window. The side windows are extra. So nothing would have surprised me. So I said to him, well, what did you forget? He said, I forgot to give you this. He takes out a thick book. I said, what's that? He said, that's the owner's manual to the, work, to the car. I said, what's that? He said, well, it tells you what grade of gasoline to put in the gas tank and what kind of oil to put in the crankcase and what kind of detergent to use on the upholstery. Now, at that moment, I felt like telling this man, what a chutzpah. I just gave you eight million shekel in cold cash for this car, and you're going to tell me what to do with it? I'll do what I want with it. 
If I want to put water in the gas tank, I'll put water. Who are you to tell me what kind of gas to put in my gas tank and what kind of oil to put in my crankcase? Now, obviously, that would have been ridiculous because I didn't design the car. And unfortunately, the Ford Motor Company who designed the car designed it to run on gasoline and not on water. And yes, it's true. It's my car. And I can do whatever I want with it. And if I want to put water or sugar in the gas tank, I can. But the car's not going to go anywhere. And I can even put the wrong grade of gasoline in the gas tank. And it'll go. But slowly it'll burn out the motor. That is the concept of the limitations and the constrictions and constraints of this world. God created a world with boundaries. He designed it. Now, I have free choice. I could do what I want. But if I don't eat what God designed me to eat, and I don't wear what God designed me to wear, and I don't say what God designed me to say, and think what God designed me to think, I may be burning out my motor and not be able to get to where I'm supposed to get to. So when I say this bracha, I think of all the constraints and constrictions and boundaries of this world and how a person has to live within the framework that God created. And therefore, the Torah is not just to be kept because God's stronger than us. He can zap us with a lightning bolt and we better do what he wants. But he's the designer. And he designed us to live in a certain way and to fit the boundaries and constraints and constrictions of this world in a certain way. And if we follow the owner's manual, which is the Torah, Torah is the owner's manual to this world, then we'll be able to get to our destination without any problems. If we don't follow the owner's manual, we have the right, it's our world, it's our, our prerogative. But if we don't follow the design of the designer, maybe we're burning out our motor. So that's something to think about when you say this bracha, which represents the fact that God held himself back, constricts Kibiyachal himself, and that unlimited kindness put it into a boundary, a limited world in order that we can face the challenges, constraints, constrictions of this physical world, of our physical lives, and create through that the infinite pleasure of Olam Haba. I hope that I've given you something to think about and to make your second brach of Shmona Esrei a little bit more meaningful. Chazak ve'ematz, and Mir Hashem, we should meet again, perhaps even in person, halavai, when this magefa, the Rabbanishom, takes it away. This is one of the constraints and constrictions of this world. We should face it properly, face the challenges, and come out even stronger from having to deal with this constraint and constriction and boundary and Amir Sashem be able to earn even more of our eternal spiritual reward. I wish you all a healthy and happy winter.